It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and today we are talking about Tantra for Skeptics. And I'm crazy excited today. I have the most exciting introduction for you all. Uh, The Tantric Activation team is growing, and I have with me the most amazing addition, Dr. Ananya. I mean, come on. It doesn't get any sexier than that, guys. Dr. Ananya (laughs) is an integrated sex, love, and relationship coach. She's the founder of Bliss Science. After a successful 10-year career as an academic research chemist, she left her life as she knew it to research the realms of the heart. Ananya spent in a full-time study in practice of Hatha Yoga, Kundalini, and Tantra in Asia, where she learned a practical system for creating profound long-term changes in body, mind, and spirit. In the West, she has studied sacred sexuality as well as classical tantric meditation and philosophy. Her life and work represent a bridge between disparate worlds, men and women, science and spiritual practice, the head and the heart. Her unique and no bullshit approach to sex, love, and relationships combines real deep grounding from classical tantric philosophy with ecstatic embodied practices in modern science. Ananya is most passionate about helping smart, scientifically minded men and couples have the fun, successful, passionate relationships they crave by simply relaxing into the deep truth of their heart. Well, I'm sold. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! (laughs) 
And I will say the guys in the Man on Fire program are definitely sold. They are so happy to have you uh, as part of the team and <laughs> helping them out with everything they are uh, growing in there in that program. So, so I'm so thankful. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for joining us at Tantric Activation. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to introduce you to everyone and just let them learn more about you and how incredible you are. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's really been a pleasure to be on your team and I'm excited to be here today too. Yeah. So Ananya and I met actually during um, some a Tantra certification program that we were both in together. And it was uh, just like an, a, crazy, a crazy, intense um, over a year of training that we were doing. And um, the certification was just like bringing up everything. And so all of us that were in that group during that that specific certification got really, really tight. And like, <laughs> just the sisterhood that we have uh, created from that is that spreads around the world is really amazing. Um, so it's like bringing you on is just like, you know, feels so, so natural and just like really, you know, just, uh, just like bringing in a sister. So I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Yeah, I know that feeling. It's incredible how we got to see each other, you know, really stripped bare <laughs> in so many ways. And it, <laughs> it was really bonding. <laughs> yeah, I'll say it was not pretty. <laughs> like, <laughs> like going through that type of like crazy, intense internal transformation. It's like literally having your guts pulled out. And <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not pretty, but we came out the other side. Um, I'll say, um, at least for me, I know that I came out the other side of it, like really transformed and a lot more empowered and uh, <laughs> it's much prettier on the other side. <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's... Are you? I would love to talk with you about a few things. How did your sexual awakening start? Oh, diving right in. Yes, I love it. Um, so that is a great question. Um, well, I really, it completely surprised me. I didn't even know such a thing was possible. Um, I wasn't looking for it. I was really skeptical of anything beyond the scientific material world. Um, but um, part of me was really trying to awaken and I didn't know it, but you know, after years of kind of pushing my boundaries in terms of like, you know, experimenting with psychedelics and going to Burning Man and learning different forms of uh, communication and avant-garde dance styles and things like this that really pushed my physical, emotional, mental boundaries and sense of reality. Um, I think there was something in me that was starting to crack. And um, I had spent my whole scientific career trying to pretend that I was not female <laughs> just because um, I felt like I wouldn't be respected for my work I really wanted to measure up to the, the men. It was, it was still very much a man's world. Um, and so I suppressed my emotions. I suppressed my desire. Um, 
I had short hair. I tried to just be um, very practical about things. Um, but what ended up happening was I was really, really miserable. Um, and I, I couldn't have deep connections with people. Um, everything just seemed kind of brittle and a little bit shallow or, or fake. Like I didn't really know how to relax into connection or how to relax into orgasm. I thought something was wrong with me because I was like, what is this pleasure everyone else is getting? I don't really see it. Um, so I left my career and I decided to go traveling for a year, you know, as you do, as many of us do in this day and age. Um, and during the course of that year, I, I did it with the intention of saying yes to things that scared me or saying yes to things that I had a lot of resistance to. Um, and so because I was raised in a very conservative environment, I, um, I was born and raised as a, as, a, as a conservative person. And so there was a lot of, of rules and a lot of things that I wouldn't allow myself to do. Um, that were considered just bad or flaky or irresponsible. Um, but I decided to push some of those boundaries. So in the course of saying yes to what scared me or what I had like a strong reaction of resistance to, my friends invited me to do a Tantra workshop um, on this island in Southern Thailand. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to hate that. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Because I had this idea that Tantra was all about um, sort of stereotypical gender roles. Like it was like some old fashioned thing trying to pigeonhole women as less than and pigeonhole men in a certain way. And me, I had been interested in a more gender fluid approach to life, living in San Francisco for so many years. Um, anyway, so I was really hesitant. But I, I dove in and after... After really just a week of all day, like six hours a day of lectures and practices and doing some really vulnerable stuff, some really messy stuff like you were talking about before, which by the way, you know, people think that Tantra is all about pleasure, but real Tantra is messy. Um, <laughs> There's definitely like going into the pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's about like facing the reality and, and recognizing and grappling with the dark as well as the light. Yeah. Um, so anyway, at the end of, of that, of like really starting to open the cracks in my shell more, um, in the final ritual of the, of the week-long workshop, something just completely broke open in me. I didn't even know this could happen. I wasn't trying to make it happen. I was just doing something really scary for me, doing a really difficult partner practice, clothes on. Um, and I, it was like, I felt this huge river of energy and this huge just connection to my desire and the feminine. And it was like, for the first time ever, I could relax and not try so hard to be someone I wasn't. And um, I was like, oh, it was, it was like a voice whispered in my head, where have you been all these years? I've been waiting for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so from that, then um, I practiced making love in a different way from this place of the feminine in this softer, open, relaxed space. And it just changed everything. Hmm, that's beautiful. So 
when you talk about like you originally thought that tantra was stereotypical like pigeonholing men into roles women into roles what did you what did you think about it like prior to experiencing it what what can you go into more detail about that yeah sure i mean honestly i just had the sense of it as um kind of this like gross, sticky, almost predatory sexual energy. And it just seemed like a place to be um, hedonistic without boundaries and, uh, and where, um, yeah, there was where you just had to be, if you were in a female body, you had to act feminine and in a male body, you had to act masculine And that was really counter to everything that I stood for and that had been interesting me um, in the queer scene in San Francisco. Um, What were the other impressions? The other impressions I had of it were that it was all about sex and orgasms and um, just sort of pleasure for the sake of pleasure. Um, it, It seemed like a really kind of unsafe way to be engaging. I don't know. I, I had a lot of criticism of it um, just because I didn't have any exposure. Like I came from a small conservative town and I didn't really know. It just seemed kind of icky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions. No, I shouldn't even say misconceptions about Tantra because Tantra is practiced in so many different ways, you know, that like some people definitely practice it in the ways that you're describing. (laughs) So it's it's less of a misconception rather than just like, there's a lot of people doing it in a lot of, a lot of ways. And some, some people are definitely doing it like that. And, and then, you know, other people are doing it more in the ways that you've described that you've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. There's a whole range of things that call themselves Tantra today. Yeah. So then you went on and did more formal training from there. Like, were you sold immediately or you took some time? How did that end up playing out? Well, um, to be honest, it was really overwhelming, this awakening, um, and then to practice making love in the, in this new way, it was really compelling. I mean, it's hard. Sexual energy is a super powerful force in life. Um, but I also knew that something in me was trying to be healed and something was trying to wake up and express itself. It was like, it was like before that moment, I wasn't alive. It was like, I was kind of dead really to my power. Yeah. And so I was like, no, this is something that's good for me and I'm going to stay, I'm going to listen to my heart. And for once I'm going to do something that feels good for me instead of what I think I should do. Um, Cause all the voices in my head were screaming, how can you do this? You need to save for retirement, go back to San Francisco and get a job right now. <laughs> It was so hard to ignore them. It was one of the hardest things I ever did. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, it went totally against everything. So when, so you came from a small conservative town. Were you raised religious? Yes, but it wasn't super intense. I mean, it was Episcopalian, which I actually kind of like Episcopalianism. Um, 
it, and so, but, but that's still the very black and white view of the world. You know, the, the you're bad, you need to punish yourself. The punishment idea of justice and all of that was very deeply ingrained in me. And so when you, so you went to school at M MIT, you were working as a scientist. Yep. How did your religious views change during that time? Well, I mean, from an early age, I just didn't really belong. I never, nobody thought I belonged in the small town where I was from. And uh, I was always reading a ton of books. I would, I would just read and read and read all the time. And so I learned about other religions and other cultures. And so from a very early age, I decided it just wasn't working for me, Christianity. and. Um, so I walked away from it when I was 13. Um, so, and then I slowly started this progression. And, and this is why in my business, I like to try to bridge worlds because I feel like it was such a long journey of bridging for me. You know, first I was conservative and not religious. And then I was like libertarian and agnostic, right? And then I started to become a little bit atheist. And then <laughs> I was starting to become more liberal, you know, after I moved to San Francisco for my PhD. Um, and so it was just this long, slow, like very deliberate, very considered progression out of that conditioning. But at each step, it was really hard because at first I thought, well, what if I go to hell or what if I'm wrong or what, how do I know what is right from wrong? I mean, these were really troubling questions for me in my early twenties. Um, and, and as I transitioned um, politically and, and spiritually, it was just, it was a big process, a big, slow process. Have you found that, um, so, so now, you know, practicing Tantra, teaching Tantra, do you find that the, you really do resonate with the Tantric philosophy, the, you know, the, the ideas of, of what Tantra uh, represents or, or brings as far as like non-duality and consciousness in everything, um, you know, God being in, in you and you, all of that. Like how do you resonate with that? How do you, um, how do you like tie that in with your, your scientific mind? Oh, I love that question. Thank you for asking. Um, so yes. And you know, you asked a while ago if I was sold right away and on Tantra. And, and the truth is, if it had just been like this awakening to my feminine power and sexual awakening, I don't, I don't think I would have been totally sold or respected it as much as I do. Um, because what I then discovered was that um, actual, the ancient tantric philosophy, like the classical spiritual tradition from around a thousand years ago, I mean, it's existed for a long span of time, but the one that I've studied most is from a thousand years ago. It is incredibly sophisticated um, and, and detailed and actually quite scientific in its understanding of the nature of reality and, and the body and our spiritual and emotional and mental worlds. Um, and the thing that really clicked it for me, which was my second awakening moment, was when one teacher told me, they were like, by the way, the quote-unquote God that the tantrics seem to worship, 
um, is, is just awareness. It's, it's the fact that you're aware, like that I'm aware that I'm talking right now, right? Or that I can be aware and watch my thoughts and emotions flow through my awareness, that I can watch anything flow through my awareness. Mm. And that, in fact, the tantrics say that nothing exists that is not within our awareness. And that's a very deep thing to unpack there. Um, but, but once I realized, oh, they're talking about a science of mind, a science of consciousness, I was like, I can totally get behind this. And I'm getting goosebumps right now. I was like, I've been waiting for this for, for my whole life. <laughs> um, it seemed so compelling and interesting, but on a, like in a way that really satisfied my intellectual curiosity. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that I continually look at in my own life is um, just really like I, I don't ever because I, I was raised uh, religious, um, very Christian, you know, and just belief without uh, <laughs> any reason behind it. Uh, mm-hmm. And and from there, I, I started practicing yoga, and then I explored a lot of different Eastern and New Age traditions. And so often, I just like drank the Kool-Aid, right? And just went full in because that was yeah. what I was used to from my upbringing. Like that was my conditioning just to like be full in, just believe without questioning. Um, and a big pivotal moment in my life was when that was no longer okay for me. And so um, in like, I really did come to a point in my life where I was like, well, you know, science shows there is, there is no God like this. And that was really okay for me. Like we're here for survival. We're here for procreation and like make the best of it while we're here. Like do as much good, have as much love um, as possible because this is all you have is right here, right now. And with Tantra, like I, while like I love the the practices they they're completely transformational life-changing and like I do I still when when I do a new training that is like really full into the philosophy mm-hmm. of Tantra and like the spiritual side of it I'm constantly like checking like is this does this really feel good in my body does this feel true you know because I don't want to go back into just believing something drinking the kool-aid just be like Mm. (laughs) and um so but i i do find that it's just like as a as a lifestyle the awareness that you have in a non-dualistic um with a non-dualistic view of the world it makes things a lot more peaceful internally like a lot of the struggle that we have comes from duality and it really does like i that is one aspect of tantra tantric philosophy that really does resonate with me and including mm-hmm. not something that i'm perfect at by any means but the growth that i've experienced from that has been really um it's just it's made a big change in my life like just feeling a lot more at ease and a flow with things um rather than 
so much of the internal struggle that typically happens in the dualistic world. Oh, yes, I love that. I totally agree. Um, you know, this path, it was so healing for me too, because it just made me much more at peace, tolerant, accepting, compassionate. I just don't feel like I have to push back hard against anything. It helps me inspire me find more ways to love and understand in a bigger way. Um, you know, and in tantric philosophy, they say that, you know, it's just a play of consciousness. This whole world is a play of consciousness and um, everything is because conscious is manifested as it is because consciousness wanted to know itself in that form. And I find that to be such a beautiful and inspiring way to look at the world. You know, instead of like something is bad or wrong or it shouldn't be that way, you just understand everything is the way it is because everything else is the way it is. Um, now I know it's one thing to say something like that and, and non-duality is beautiful in that sense, but then when you come up against the really hard injustices and struggles and darknesses on the earth, then it becomes less easy to, to, to accept that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and yet that is, that is the path of, of tantric non-dual philosophy. Mm-hmm. I will say like because tantra has so much so much of the practice is is really facing your own darkness your own shadow that you have to come face to face with the atrocities that are in you or that are possible within you and it makes it a lot harder to judge others when you've looked at yourself in such a way it's easy to really project and to judge others when you haven't come face to face with the potential that you have in yourself or the you know the ways that you've acted in yourself if you you know it's easy just to dismiss you as a your own self and point the finger at everyone else um but in tantra you don't get away with that and (laughs) you've gotta you've gotta like really come come to the hard truth of who you are which is not like this (laughs) always light like we all have darkness as well and so from from that perspective i feel like um it gives me a lot more grace and understanding uh, than I had before. Mm, That's so well said. I love how you always bring it back to the practical. (laughs) Um, Yes. And, you know, the way I think of it is, except for some grace, I could be that person, you know, who everyone else is calling bad or evil, right? I have all of these possibilities within me, as do all of us. Um. And so, yeah, I try. It has brought me so much more empathy, compassion, and understanding. And it's just life is better that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what do you think? What has been your experience uh, with what sexually awakened women want in a man? <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, um, one of the things to, I wanted to say here about Tantra is that it, there, there is the classical Tantra, which we were talking about a little bit or a lot there, and 
you know, there's one practice of Tantra that's really focused on meditation and using mantras and studying non-dual philosophy. And then there's the modern neo-Tantra scene, which is more focused, which is really a different beast. And it's focused on sexuality and pleasure and sexual healing and all these other things. Um, and I do both of them, uh, which, which can be, which is unusual, I think. Um, but I think they're both really necessary. And I love that the neo-tantric world has brought more into the mainstream uh, the de-shaming of sex and the awakening of pleasure and desire as natural, even innocent parts of our humanity that can be powerful for us and used in, in healthy ways. Um, so, you know, you and I have been in, in communities, in a community of really sexually awakened women. And, um, and through my own transformation, I, I changed so much in what I wanted or what I hoped for in a male sexual partner. Um, and I think that's something that men always want to hear. They're like, well, what do women want? <laughs> so, um, and I know, I guess I'll speak for me personally, but really to go to the depths of my feminine, to the depths of pleasure, to the depths of oneness and wholeness together, what I really hope for is a man who can hold a space um, and um, not take anything I do personally, like not with re retract or withdraw, but who is able to hold strong emotions, to have uncomfortable conversations, to have uncomfortable emotions in himself, and still stay right there with me to let me know that it's okay to be who I am and to do whatever it is that I'm doing, as long as I'm not being violent with him, of course. Um, Unless it's consensual. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see Dr. Nanya getting kinky. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the interruption. <laughs> Oh no! I'll, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that. Up. <laughs> that may or may not happen. <laughs> uh, Go ahead. <laughs> and so, I just want to be with a man who's done the work, who has looked at his own darkness and isn't afraid of it, right? So that he can hold me in my darkness. So that if I'm screaming in anger or if I'm crying and bawling or if I'm frustrated or numbed out, that he doesn't take it as an indicator of his performance and, and withdraw and make me have to caretake his emotions of shame, mm, but yes. he can stay there. Yeah. And encourage me and love me. Yeah. There's another thing I'm looking for. I don't know. Can I say it also? Yeah. Okay. And I will tell you, I mean, to be honest, the thing that helped me the most in my awakening to pleasure um, is making love with men who practice ejacula ejaculatory choice, right? Mm -hmm. Who, yeah, who totally are not there in order to orgasm and ejaculate, but who can choose when they want to do this or not at all and be completely fine if that doesn't happen. And so I really, to me, when a man has that much awareness 
of his desire and his body and this mechanism that's such a habit that all everyone seems to take for granted when he has such awareness over that and control over that it it's like wow i'm really impressed <laughs> with someone who can do that yeah it definitely it just it makes sex so much different when ejaculation isn't the defining factor in the experience, you know, and and most of the time it is for most people, men and women, sex is revolves around that ejaculatory experience. And, um, you know, even if there's so much before that can be amazing and great. Um, often it's like, okay, that's the, the defining moment of like, okay, this it's over at this point. Um, and it definitely does make a difference when um, when guys are are not are, are able to really have incredible orgasms and have bliss throughout the entire experience of sex, and rather than just at the end. Yes, yes, exactly. And I will say, you know, what it did for me was I don't know how much men are aware of this, but I and women are so conditioned to please men that I was just so nervous during sex. And like my whole life, I only had sex with the lights off and after I had been drinking, you know? So when I started practicing Tantra and had sex in the afternoon, in the full sun, in total sobriety, it was a game changer. But the thing is, I I was so worried about pleasing him. That worry and contraction didn't go away for me until I met some men who had undertaken the practice of choosing not to ejaculate every time. And so then something deep within me knew, I was like, oh, he's actually just here. He can wait as long as I need in order to orgasm. He's really here to be with me in my pleasure. And it was only through that that I could relax enough to eventually develop, for example, cervical orgasms. Yeah, it's really amazing. Like once you slow down when you're having sex and allow allow your body just to really open up sexually, like how amazing a woman can have these different types of orgasms and men too. Um, you know, because often like the the approach to sex is just um, very goal oriented and uh, but when you're like really able to make love for hours I mean and I know Tantra like has a stereotype of like you know it's just about having sex for really long periods of time but it's like when you have sex for long periods of time and you're having it in a way that is that is tantric where you're really being present and focused on your breath and um, your connection intimacy with the other and you're slowing down that's different than just thinking like a guy's got to sit there and pound hard for an hour you know <laughs> because i think that's the the mindset that a lot of people come to at it, come to it with when they they hear, you know, someone having tantric sex for six or seven hours, a guy's like, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? You know, because they're thinking about it through the lens of conventional sex, where it really isn't. It's just, it's so much slower and more beautiful. And it doesn't mean that there aren't times of intensity and and hardness and, you know, that type of penetration, but it's, it's when 
when it's what your bodies really truly want. It's not just because that's the default. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have any other framework for sex. I thought once you start having sex, you have to just drive to the end. <laughs> you know, and it's that's what happens when like I had no no sexual education growing up, like no exposure to any other ideas about how to be together. Um, like no understanding of how to relate, like how um, different attachment styles relate to each other, for example. And, or, and no idea of how to communicate in a way that wasn't defensive. And so um, just breaking out of all of these things required a lot of courage and a lot of work, but it made depth um, so much more easily available in sex and outside of sex. Um, and, and so what happened was when I took off the, the blinders and, and the idea that sex has to all be completed in one go and it has to drive toward a goal, then it was just like this fun freeform dance where we could have sex for a little while and then take a break, right? And do something like hang out and talk or sit together and meditate. And then we could start having sex again. And also the idea that sex really wasn't so much entirely about penetration. It was also about many other things that we could do to each other. And all of that, like the, like changing it up really helped my body open deeper and relax more. And now I say that um, it's really after the first 30 minutes of sex when things really start to go deep for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always, it's just like that first time, 30 minutes is like the pregame. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and most people don't even get to a 30 minute mark. Like that's the reality of what's how people have sex is they don't even get to that point. Yeah. I think the statistic is something like five to seven minutes is the average. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. We are here to change the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I want to talk a little bit more too. I like how you brought up um, at one point a conversation, Neo-Tantra and Classical Tantra and how they're actually very, very different, but um, that they, they're both valid, you know, and there's, um, it, it, it is rare to find people that do both. And I practice both also. Um, but most people are typically in a neo-tantra camp or a classical tantra camp, you know, and classical uh, tantra typically looks at neo-tantra of like, that's really, um, it's not tantra at all. Um, and, you know, neo-tantra people don't usually really even know much about classical tantra. So it's, it's kind of funny um, in the in the non dualistic world of tantra <laughs> having different <laughs> camps, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I I don't I don't hear people that practices classical tantra like at least the uh, people that are um, you know like really really practicing it. I I don't hear them speak negatively about neo tantra. Um, just more about like the understanding that it's it's different um so uh, just to clarify that not they're not out there talking shit i mean i'm sure there's some some people are but not not the ones that i study from <laughs> um but like it's uh i i agree like the the 
part of Neo Tantra that really is focused on having better sex, that is so important, you know, and that ties into what we're talking about here as far as like, you know, just the, the way to completely change how we have sex. And, um, it's something that I think, uh, just so many people can benefit from. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think we are desperately needing it as a culture. I think so much of the pain and suffering and, um, harm that comes in this world is from repressed sexuality or shamed sexuality and like desire pushed into the shadow, into the darkness. But it's such a strong force that it will end up coming out in ways that can't be controlled and harming people. Yeah, and that's what we saw in, you know, clearly displayed in the Me Too movement as far as like how many people have been sexually abused. And even beyond specific instances of sexual abuse, the trauma, the chronic trauma of living in a sex negative society impacts all of us, men and women. Yes, definitely. It really impacts men so much. I see men suffer a great deal, you know, from not being able to express their desire to not being able to have sex because their partner is too traumatized and, um, you know, living a life where they feel sort of cut off from their vitality and their aliveness and their true masculine power. And it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Well, okay, shifting gears a bit, I'm really excited to hear about this because I know at one point you taught a six-day workshop called The Science of Tantra. What did you teach there? (laughs) Tell me, tell me. (laughs) That's such a good question. Yeah, I mean, that was a really fun workshop. Um, So... One of my classical Tantra teachers, he likes to say that the Tantrics were scientists of consciousness. Um, And what that means is they were involved in a deep exploration, experimentation with examination of our inner world. Um, And so what I was doing in that workshop, I think that... If you just practice neo-tantra, um, it's, it can get dangerous. You can get lost, which is what we see in a lot of these communities that are a little bit icky, um, where it, it gets out of control because sexuality is such, sexual energy is such a powerful force. And if you uncork that force into a body-mind that is profoundly um, traumatized or wounded or just unaware then that energy gets, um, you know, co-opted by the ego and, and used to, in an unconscious way, and ends up hurting a lot of people. And so instead, what I think we really need is a deep grounding and centering, a strong mindfulness practice where we um, are centered in ourselves and are able with eyes wide open to examine our body mind to look at, Oh, look, there's a bunch of shame there. There's a bunch of envy there. There's a bunch of like, you know, trauma from childhood there. And to sort of understand the ways that those cause us to act out and, and hurt 
others and, and to really go on a process of, of healing. Um, and so in that workshop, um, what I did first was I explained the classical Tantra metaphysics. So the view of reality as a play of consciousness and as this sort of dance of lovemaking between consciousness and energy and how the non-dual non worldview, sort of the ramifications of that into every aspect of your life. Um, and then um, we just took a lens as if we were scientists and examined every aspect of ourselves, like how do we relate to our thoughts? How do we relate to our emotions? How do we relate to our sexual energy? How do we relate to our physical body? And just sort of got really real with what is the truth of how I'm existing in the world right now. Um, and then there were some very highly technical things um, that are kind of secret and will forever stay with the workshop, but they were technical ways that the tantrics understood how your energy works in your body, depending on the position of the moon, for example. Um, I mean, they got so wild and detailed in their examinations of human nature. It's, it's remarkable. So that's, that's a little taste of what I covered there. Mm, I love that. That's really awesome that you, you did, you were able to really do six full days just focused on that. Yeah, it was really, um, it was a marathon for sure, but, um, I think everyone, it was really fascinating. Um, I'm really excited to, uh, as a company to like start doing more research on Tantra and like how we can, you know, start showing statistics, um, on, you know, how people are affected by Tantra and all these things. So, uh, Offline, I'd love to talk with you more about that. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited for everything we're going to do together. Oh, me too. It's, it's incredible. I'm, I, love, I love getting to do this work. Yes, me too. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that uh, all of the, the guys and the Man on Fire program are super happy to have you. And before we go, though, um, I want to play a quick game of Let's Talk About Sex. So these, um, it's a card deck from Games for Humanity. My friend Erin Hickok hosts a lot of these podcasts with me, and she created this card deck um, to help people be able to talk about sex um, in a more open and conscious way. So um, here is, uh, I'm going to pick a card, so just give me a second, I'm touching the deck. Usually Aaron's the one that touches the deck and picks. So I feel mm -hmm. really excited that I get to be touching the deck today. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, mommy's gone. So I'm like in the stealing cookies from the cookie jar. <laughs> mm, okay, here we go. All right. Okay, my first time having sex was. Oh. <laughs> oh, I've never actually talked about that one live before. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next one. 
<laughs> Funny how uh, <laughs> as soon as I saw that one, I was like, ooh. <laughs> it knew. <laughs> it knew. All right, let's try. Let's see what this one is. Okay. Something that turns me on is. There are so many things that turn me on. Um, <laughs> a man who knows how to dance really well. Oh, yeah, that's really hot. It's mm-hmm. so much fun, too. Oh, it's exhilarating. Yeah, and if you know how to, like, drop me or twirl me just right, I get all giggly and kind of, like, like dance drunk, and my brain shuts off, and then you can have your way with me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was at a wedding. This was like probably about a year ago. And um, it was a gay couple that was getting married. Um, and I was, I actually didn't know the couple, but I went as the date uh, to my gay best friend. So um, it was a predominantly gay male crowd that was there. <laughs> and I was like, I wasn't pouting, but I was like, you know, who am I supposed to dance with? Like, none of these guys have any interest in me whatsoever, right? <laughs> I was just like, I don't like this. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, I loved, I loved it. It was great, but it was really fun when the one straight single male guy there (laughs) came up to me and wanted to dance and he could dance really well and we ended up having so much fun like literally I was the only um well I'm bi not straight but like I was the only female there like that was single and not you know only attracted to women and he was the only straight male there that was also single (laughs) we found each other (laughs) of course he found you girl (laughs) that's funny okay let's do one more card let's see A person I love deeply is? Oh, gosh. Um, my brother. He's, he's the best. That's he's an awesome, awesome human being. Yeah. That's so nice. <laughs> I love my brother, too. He's a good one. Oh. Is your younger or older? Yeah, he's my little brother, except he's six feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> my brother is younger, too. He's almost four years younger than me. Yeah, mine, too. Mm. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ananya, you are incredible. I am so grateful um, that we got to have this conversation and that everyone gets to meet you and hear your story and uh, just uh, learn more about uh your brilliance and how you are impacting the world in such an incredible way. So thank you again. Yeah. Thanks for an awesome conversation. All right. I will see you soon. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me until next time. Lovers. 